everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Travel Guides. I'll be your host, Just GQ, and today we have Danny. Danny, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Doing excellent, doing excellent. Thank you for, for joining us. I'm uh, very happy to have you on here. I'm happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. So, um, without further ado, I mean, we usually have some some drawn drawn out dialogue uh, monologue initially with me talking too much so i just want to throw to you why don't you uh tell the listeners a, a little bit about yourself sure so i was born and raised in miami and um i've always loved cultures and and you know meeting new people it's just been a part of my dna my family's from jamaica and so we've got this you know this vibe that we're always open and wanting to um, include everyone in whatever we're doing and have fun and enjoy life. So that for me is like the, the, the network of my, my world and the way I perceive the world. But essentially my background is I studied marine biology in college. Oh, wow. I'm a science geek. <laughs> <laughs> I love science. And so that's been my biggest passion um, since I was about six years old. Anything to do with the ocean, I was excited about learning. And so that has taken me all over the world on different adventures. Anything that's on the water, I'm there. Oh, man. <laughs> and so, you know, I love the adventures that I've been on in my lifetime. I just turned 30 a couple weeks ago. Ah, so happy birthday. Big, uh, Welcome to the 30 Club. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, of course, do a lot of traveling for my work as well as for fun. Nice, nice. So currently, I'm actually the host of a television show called Nature Knows Best. And it aired on Fox last fall, our first season. And we're getting ready to shoot season two in about a month or so. Awesome. And I'm very excited. <laughs> so what's the, what's the show about? What, is it, what does it talk about? The show is actually about biomimicry, which is how we mimic nature in technology and design to solve human problems. So I basically go around the country interviewing scientists and inventors and just brilliant people who have come up with ideas that are solving issues um, that are applicable for everybody, but it's all based on what's already happening in nature. That's awesome. Well, I guess I need to do a great job so that you don't uh, turn the microphone around on me then, since you're the, since you're the host. I do have a little experience with interviewing. But, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I like being on the other side of the mic sometimes. So before we before we jump into it, I have to I have to say I saw um, I saw you had a very personal post, and obviously people are in their feelings about President Obama and and everything. But I saw that you had a a post dedicated to him. Can you uh, tell that story a little bit? That seemed pretty interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I uh, found this photo that I took about 10 years ago when I first met um, President Obama before he was President Obama. In fact, it was in New Orleans at Essence Festival. He actually came to announce his campaign. Um, prior to that moment, I, I was 20 years old. Like, I had no idea who this guy was. You know, I'm not really, wasn't familiar with the politicians from Chicago and right. not because I'm from Miami. And um, anyway, somebody tells me that night, like, oh, you know, there's a presidential candidate coming and he's black. And I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, of course, our first presidential candidate that we've seen um, that was so profound. So anyway, um, I had the serendipitous opportunity to meet him briefly backstage after he gave his speech um, to the audience at the Superdome. And um, so grateful that I had that moment because it 
really just, I, I was, I was taken aback by the fact that he was so humble, so clear, so just kind and a real human being. That's what got to me. Uh, we just had a really great conversation, laughed about him talking about his daughters and um, what he's planning to do, but just extremely genuine. And so I'll forever be grateful for that moment that I had with President Obama and, and thankful for everything that he's done for our country, our people, the world, and especially our oceans, because he has, he's really, he's now been dubbed the ocean president because he's oh, done wow. so much to protect the ocean. Wow, that is that's very interesting. I did not know that that he was dubbed the ocean president. Um, that does make sense that you would know that with a marine biology background. But um, yeah, I've been I've been taken taken <laughs> aback by just the amount of the, like the reception and the the people that have their fingers dug into him and and don't want to let him go. You know, a phenomenal president, definitely. But I don't remember this happening with with other presidents, though. No, I mean, it really hasn't. I mean, he's following the legacy of uh, President Roosevelt as far as protecting nature. And, you know, focused on oceans is really critical right now in this time in history because our oceans are, are definitely threatened. Um, you know, what's out of sight is out of mind, so a lot of people don't realize that. But the oceans are life for us. It produces 50% of the oxygen that we breathe, provides food for so many people. Nearly 1 billion people depend on the ocean for their protein. Um, it controls our climate. It also is a carbon sink. So all this carbon that we're putting out into the atmosphere from our, you know, burning of fossil fuels, the ocean is the place that receives it. And now we've kind of reached a, a tipping point where we've put too much carbon out there and things are starting to change. And so in the next 20 years, we could see a lot of major things happening in the ocean that's going to impact humans. I mean, you are just <laughs> dropping all kinds of knowledge all over this episode so snaps to you you definitely uh make it. yeah i feel like i feel like i just learned so much more um about about climate change and about the environmental uh you know situation that we're that we're in right now so uh i definitely appreciate you personally for expanding my knowledge so without so let's let's kind of get back to um to the to the subject of the, of the podcast um tell us about you you are a, a voracious traveler. You you move around a lot, like to move freely about the cabin, uh, if you will. So when did you fall in love with traveling? Why do you travel personally? You know, I know you, you said a little bit for work, but it, it definitely seems to be a passion for you as well. Yes, I fell in love with traveling at a very young age. Um, I was privileged enough to have a mom who worked for Carnival Cruise Lines back in the early 80s from when I was born till the mid-90s. Oh, wow. And so we had a chance to go on cruises like four or five times a year. And so from when I was three years old, I was on a cruise ship, you know, stopping at these different Caribbean locations. And from then on, I knew that I loved being in new places. The novelty of trying new food, seeing, you know, whatever that place has to offer, and meeting new people. I was always shy as a child, but traveling brought me out of my shell. My first international trip alone was actually at 17 years old to South Africa, where I went to help study great white sharks with a research scientist. So your first, your first international trip was to South Africa? Where, which part? I stayed in Simonstown, but we, of course, went to Cape Town as well. But Simonstown was where I was based, which is a small naval town um, right on, the, on False Bay. And so we, I was there for about 15 days with a group, and we went out of the water every day and got to see the biggest great white sharks ever. Oh, my goodness. Um, hunting Cape Earth seals in the bay. That's what it's famous for. If you've ever seen the show Air Jaws on Discovery, that's where they film it. 
That's um, awesome. And it was the most incredible experience of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have known that. I just got back from, from South Africa and spent the majority of my time in Joburg and Cape Town. So I, I definitely wish I would have known that was that close. Granted, I'm sure you need proper clearance and supervision <laughs> so you don't go out there and uh, become an appetizer. But um, that definitely yeah, would have no, been no appetizers. <laughs> they don't really, they don't allow anyone really to get in the water there because it is feeding territory. So you're on a boat and you observe it, but you see these sharks literally flying out of the water, um, chasing these big bird fields. And so it's, it's, it's nature at its finest. Um, you know, people always ask me, oh, were you sad when you saw, you know, a seal die? I'm like, no, because I know that the shark has to eat too. Right. And, and they, they maintain the, the population there. There's a rocky pinnacle in the middle of the bay and it has like 60,000 seals living on it at a time. That and so cool. these seals move in and out of the bay and the sharks get to go to and have a buffet. You know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> everybody's living. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, when we went to um, Robbins Island, that's, that's actually not difficult to believe because uh, we were on the way back to shore. Um, there was a humpback whale that breached. Um, and so people wow. were going, going crazy because it, it, was, it was just random. It, not necessarily random, but serendipitous, absolutely, to, to be able to, you know, have that experience that wasn't obviously planned, um, but to be able to, like, to capture it and whatnot. So there were people who were, like, flying all over the boat because the waters were rocky um, to try to get this this picture of, of, uh, of the humpback whale. So definitely, definitely wow. there. Awesome. So oh, yeah. you were, so for um, the subject of the podcast, your, your recent trip to, to Cabo San Lucas, uh, ventured down mm-hmm. to Mexico, you spent New Year's down there? I did. I spent New Year's and my birthday. So and my your birthday. birthday. Um, it's the day before New Year's. So you extended. Oh, okay, you're a New Year's baby. Nice, nice. Yeah, so it was a very, very special trip. And um, I'd been there once before earlier in 2016. But ironically, that trip, I was there for three days. The night I got there, a hurricane, Category 1 hurricane, touched the shore and, and hit Cabo direct. Oh, my goodness. And then the next day, we had no water, no power, so we just went, you know, going, we just went around the city and found a spot that had a generator and got food. And the next, the third day was absolutely magnificent. I mean, most beautiful weather, water was warm. And so from that moment, I was like, I got to get back here. And so that's why I chose Cabo as my um, destination to bring in 2017. That's pretty awesome. Tell tell me how is how serious is a Category One hurricane? Um, category One begins at seventy five miles an hour. Once the once the winds hit that speed, um, then it's certified as Category One. Um, it was very windy. There was a little bit of rain, but you know the hardest part is when you're in a hurricane. I've gone through many many hurricanes in my lifetime, especially being from Miami, and um, it's it just reminds you that you know nature will do its thing, like. We have no control over situations like that, and you just got to ride it out. And so you hear the wind, you just got to be in a safe place where you don't have any broken glass or anything able to, like, fly through a window, and you just hunker down and, and wait it out. I think it's crazy that but, you had that answer just, like, ready to go. <laughs> like, it was like you, had, <laughs> you were sitting in front of Google and had, at 75 miles per hour, that is, it begins being categorized as Category 1. Okay, that's awesome. I have never been, I realize geographically we're exposed to different types of natural disasters, if you will. And I have definitely grown right. up, growing up in the South uh, and living a lot of my adult life in the Midwest. I've been more tornado, uh, you know, centric as opposed mm. to the earthquakes and the hurricanes and whatnot. So, 
Um, right. You know, I definitely was was uh, was unsure. So tell me about tell me about Cabo. I have not ventured down to Mexico. Ironically enough, I have only been, I've been to our neighbors to the north in in Canada, but have never have never gone south of the border there. Um, so I'm I'm honestly intrigued because you'll be ex- expanding my knowledge of of Mexico in general. So give me the lay of the land. What was it? What was it like? Um, you know, was it warm? Was it not? What were the activities? Okay. Well, yeah, Mexico is definitely one of my favorite countries in the world. Um, I think because you have such a wide variety of of terrain that you can cover in Mexico, they have the mountains, they have, you know, the Pacific side, the Caribbean Sea side, and uh, it's it's just beautiful. Um, I've been to Cancun many times on the, you know, on the east side of Mexico, and I love that. It's very tropical, touristy, lots of fun, you know, activities to do. The water is extremely warm. Um, but I have to say, I honestly prefer the West Coast. I prefer Cabo because the climate is gorgeous. It's basically like California climate where there's not too much humidity. It's, the air is really crisp, but the water is just warm enough. You know, it's not warm like tropical Caribbean water, but it's it's warm where you can get in and you feel like refreshed. Right, <laughs> but you're not right. freezing. Um, <laughs> and it's clear. And so uh, Cabo San Lucas is located right at the very tip of the peninsula of Baja, Baja, you know, California, Mexico. Right. So at the very tip, it's where the Pacific Ocean meets the um, the bay, Baja, and it's beautiful. I mean, this is where the convergence of life, you know, all the the whales, the dolphins, the sea turtles, oh, anything you can think of is in that area because a lot of sea turtles will nest on their beaches. So Baja, California, which is the, the Gulf of California, is the part that's a little bit calmer. It's on the other side of the peninsula uh, where Cabo is located. And then the, the flip side is the Pacific Ocean. So you can get, you can literally drive over the mountain or a couple mountains right there at the end and you can be looking at Pacific Ocean and then looking at um, Gulf of California within an hour. And it's it's such an interesting place to be. Um, it is, I mean, they do have a lot of tourist destinations. There are a lot of hotels there. Um, I think they're building like 14 new hotels right now as we speak oh my goodness. in the area. Yeah, so it's really, it's growing quickly, um, but it's great because you can easily access Los Cabos International Airport. It's two hours away from LAX, and you're there in, in, a, in a blink. So, I don't think I realized um, it was that close to LA, to LA as a whole, but definitely not LAX. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's, it's the closest, like, tropical destination for, you know, Angelinos to go to, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, there's also, you can also go scuba diving. You can go out whale watching. I actually went whale watching with a company called Whale Watch Cabo, and they're fantastic because they're all about observing and not disturbing the whales. Oh, so okay. they're very respectful of the space of the whales. So we went out, the day I went out, I ended an afternoon trip at around 2.30, and we found uh, three humpback whales swimming along the coast, and then one of them stuck around and ended up breaching like 15 times. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Put on this incredible, like, display for us. It was, I mean, it was out of this world. And then we went and saw a big, massive pod of, of common dolphins um, just a little bit further out. And so they were wonderful. They took photos, professional photos of the whales for us that we downloaded after the trip, and just really hospitable and comfortable and yeah, and then they have a marine biologist guide on every tour, so they're out there helping you, you know, learn whatever you want to learn. And it is just magical. Uh, that's really all I can describe Cabo as because it's it's peaceful, it's easy, easy going, everybody's chill, food is delicious, 
and you can relax and really unwind. What kind of food was was it more traditional Mexican or did they have like special dishes like and were you taking were you in the touristy area or were you on the outskirts and then like kind of partaking in the tourist aspects of it? I was I was kind of on the outskirts but I was still in Cabo proper, but I was staying in a residential area, which I love. I'd rather do that most trips, you know, than staying in a, a hotel that keeps you in, you know, confinement. Absolutely. But um <laughs> but no, there's a there's a lot there are a lot of different options. You can find a hotel that suits you. There's all inclusive resorts, there are resorts that are, you know, a little bit more modern. They're more of the rustic kind. Of course, you can do Airbnb. So you have all of those options. And there are a lot of expatriates there, a lot of Americans. So most of the locals are willing to speak a little bit of English so you can get by. But, you know, when you go to someone else's country, it's good to try and learn and speak their language as well. You know, yeah, out of respect. So I got to practice my Spanish a bit, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but then there's also nightlife. So the popular area close to Madano Beach is like a downtown zone. And there are a bunch of, like, clubs. There's Mandala. There's this place called Twid Row, which is one of the most unique, like, bar clubs that I've ever been to. It's hilarious. Why is that? It's, like, four levels. Well, you walk in, it's so unassuming. You just see these bright neon lights and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And then you get in. And as you walk in, it it feels like you're in, like, the heart of a ship um, because there are four levels of balconies. And you're right, the narrow path right in the middle. And the balconies are just going all the way up. And people are just all around dancing. You know, they're passing out jello shots. Oh, my goodness. So, it sounds like spring break. It's, yeah, it's really funny. Um, but, you know, when you go on vacation, just have a good time and enjoy. Um, but there are a lot of different options. There, There's a Baja Brewing Company. There's, you know, all kinds of things that you can check out and just have a great time. That's awesome. How, how, how strong is your, is your Spanish? I would say I'm, I'm like, intermediate. I used to be fluent when I was younger, growing up in Miami. Right. Um, you know, I had a chance to use it a lot. We have so many Cubanos and, you know, Dominicans <laughs> right. and everybody in Miami that you can pretty much practice any time. But it's great to be immersed in it. And, uh, yeah, I think if I had a good two, three months down there, I'd be pretty solid. That's the dream. That's the dream, to be able to just, like, completely live as a citizen oh, yeah. there for, for a little bit as well hey, yes. tell me a little bit more about the tell me a little bit more about the uh about the residential aspect of it i think this is a an area of cabo that doesn't get spoken on a lot where because a lot of people mm-hmm. think about cabo in the same breath as cancun where it's just you know a, a spring break destination where you can go and just be crazy but it's it, you're enclosed in american walls within mexico and you don't really get a lot of the culture um, so mm-hmm. it, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, there, there are variations obviously of the, of the residential areas is the real local, local area that has, you know, they still have sand streets, not really paved. Um, but then there are other places where there's, you know, single family homes, there are townhomes, there's also a lot of timeshares. So you get, I mean, you do get the taste of American lifestyle, but you can easily jump out of it quickly. Um, and, there's little, you know, towns around in the vicinity of Cabo as well, like Todos Santos, which is a beautiful little, it's not even a beach town, it's close to the ocean, but not on the water, and it's a peaceful place, so you just go, and everybody's just chilling out, and so I would say any any experience in those areas, if you wanted to get a timeshare, if you wanted to purchase land or property, I would highly recommend it, I think it's, it's such a beautiful place. 
So for me, I, I didn't see you couldn't really go very wrong if you stay in the Cabo area. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely a, a great investment uh, opportunity there to, that a lot of people, I think, should start thinking about, you know, given the if you have the financial means to, to pursue something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely, definitely a good, a good look there in venturing over to the financial side of it. I know it's easier for you as an, as an LA resident to get over there, but could you speak a little bit about the, about the cost and how you were able to get down there? Did you, did you drive since it's only two hours or did you fly down there? How did you uh, work that out as well as how much was lodging and all of that? Okay. Um, so you definitely want to fly there. Flights, you know, if you get it early enough, you can get a really great deal. Like, generally, like for the winter season, I was able to find a great ticket for around, you know, three fifty, which is great. Um, and then, as far as getting on the ground, what you want to do, I would highly recommend renting a car because there's no Uber, no Lyft, no, no really, and not available in Cabo. No wow. taxis only, and you know, and I love supporting local commerce and their businesses, but. To me, the the prices for the taxis were really ridiculous and super inflated. So, like, what are we talking? You know, Twenty five dollars to take you down about two miles, which is oh that makes God. no sense whatsoever. Yeah, so you're better off renting a, a car at the airport um, and driving in. It's about a half an hour drive from the airport to Cabo proper, and um, it's super easy. They have a toll road, straight shot. You're driving through the mountains, and you, then you get to the beach, and there's Cabo. Um, and then that way, you can have the freedom to move around. They have free street parking, um, and as well as like parking lots that you pay for. It's like 100 pesos an hour, which is equivalent to like four dollars, five dollars. Oh wow! So you know, it's it's more, it's a lot more reasonable with that. Unless you plan to stay at your resort and you just want to stay in this, the the touristy area where the downtown area is, where Madano Beach is, then you can walk and get around. But if you decide to stay outside of that zone, you should definitely get a car. Okay, cool. Um, and I. Yeah, I don't know the exact rates of the rentals there, um, but I think it's pretty reasonable, especially if you have a group and you guys end up sharing the cost. Um, that'll make it a lot more flexible. Um, and as far as where I stayed, I um, actually stayed with family. I have some family that's now living there, so we uh, made that obviously cost-effective for myself. Right, absolutely. But again, you can. I think Airbnb is a great option. There's some really cute places that I saw on Airbnb that were in the marina, and you know, you can it's really cozy and convenient. No, I can believe that Airbnb has definitely been a godsend on on these different trips and allows you know, you to especially these people who these expats who have these lavish houses down there where where you travel with a with a group of people and you can occupy that for a fraction of what you would normally have to pay and get a, a little right. taste of the lamp and luxury for for a week for a week or two while you're down there mm-hmm. so i can definitely imagine <laughs> totally that. well awesome totally. awesome so you mentioned earlier and and we're we're wrapping up a little bit but um i'm, I'm curious you mentioned that you had traveled a lot um, your mom was on, um, you know, work for work for Carnival for for some time. Uh, so you were on a lot of cruises. Uh, where's your favorite place that you've that you've ventured to thus far? My favorite place, man, that's a hard question. Um, ooh, okay, let me think. Let me think. <laughs> My favorite place that I've traveled so far has to be the Galapagos Islands. Oh, um, that's a switch up. Yeah, that's a switch up right there. I did not see that coming. <laughs> it is a magical place. Um, I went there in college, actually. I, I did a field course uh, 
my last semester at University of Miami, and it was an anthropology course, but we connected, you know, how people from the Galapagos interacted and how the ocean, uh, interacted with the ocean and how the ocean impacted their culture. And so it was <laughs> one of the best trips ever. Spent about three and a half weeks down there. Um, and the funny story was that trip was, they actually lost my bag, my suitcase, and I didn't have my suitcase for two weeks. And that was the first time that I hadn't, that I had lost a bag like that. And it made me realize, like, this is how I want to travel. I want to travel light and easy. All I had was my carry-on with my snorkel fins and my mask, um, and that was it, and some clothes. So, And I bought two pieces of clothes, like two or three pieces of clothing down there, and I was fine. We were in the ocean every day. Um, got to, you know, scuba dive, went swimming with sea lions, and went exploring the different islands of the Galapagos, meeting blue-footed boobies. And it, it almost felt like we were on another planet because it's so remote. And there are animals there that are only found in the Galapagos, nowhere else in the world. They're endemic. And it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So it's a very, very special place uh, that I recommend, highly recommend that everybody check out. Um, and, you know, uh, people just need to realize that we have so many treasures like the Galapagos around the world that need to be protected, that should be, you know, enjoyed, but respected as well. And... Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. So go through uh, uh, Quito, Ecuador, and you can fly from Quito direct to the Galapagos and just do it. It's so much fun. Nice. I am, uh, if you give me a minute, I'm just adding the Galapagos Islands to my list of places to go in 2017. Um, you better do it. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a, uh, a gem that I, I would not have thought of, and I, I don't think is in the forefront of many people's minds there. So um, that is, that's really what we're about here at The Travel Guys. We just want to shed light on all the world's treasures so that everybody can enjoy them and as you have so eloquently pleaded, pled, I'm not sure, but asked for for all of us to protect these, uh, you know, these these jewels that that uh, we have around the world. So many thanks there. So with that being said, I want to thank you again for joining us today on on this episode of the Travel Guides. Um, and go ahead and where can the people find you? Tell tell them so they can they can uh, find and keep up with you. Totally. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great, and uh, you can find me online. I have. Well, of course, on all social media platforms, you can find me at Danny Washington, so D-A-N-N-I. Um, hit me up. Let me know where you're traveling to. If you want any, like, suggestions or whatever, I'm open to it. Um, you can also check out my website, dannywashington.com. And like we said in the beginning of the, the, the interview, um, please do check out my television show called Explore. It's Exploration, Nature Knows Best, and that's Exploration with no E at the front. Um, you can watch season one on Hulu and on Amazon Prime. So if you have subscriptions to either one, you can find it there. And then season two should be airing in the fall in September on Fox. Excellent, excellent. So I will definitely be tuned in. Would encourage all of the listeners out there to tune in as well. Um, thank you again. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to this episode of The Travel Guides, the podcast dedicated to making travel easy for everyday people like you and me. Thanks for listening.